Well, I'm at 19% on my phone. When the battery runs out, the sermon will end. How's that? So I know you're all praying, God, let, let it run out quick. Praise God. Maybe they're not praying that. Maybe they're, maybe they're praying the opposite, Jenny. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, turn, I, I, I was praying today. I had a good day today. Today's uh, my birthday and had a great day. My wife was very kind to me. And uh, God gave me a gift today. I discovered a restaurant in Aaron that actually has decent food. <laughs> I've been looking for 18 months. And, I've, and yeah, uh, you, it's so small, you didn't think it would take 18 months to find it. But I, I, I overlooked it. Uh, a diamond in the rough, praise God. <laughs> but uh, we had a wonderful uh, meal today and just rested and waiting on the Lord, talking to the Lord. He was talking to me about ministry this morning and future. And just it's exciting to be in his presence and hear what he's saying. And I said, Lord, what about tonight? You know, maybe somebody else should preach. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really have anything. I don't really have anything rolling around on the inside. There's lots of things, but I don't feel anything's a fit for tonight. And, and, I, and I, you know, I, often I talk to the Lord like that, and I really don't expect him to say anything back to me because I talk to him so often, and he doesn't always respond. But I, I just thought he'd not say anything, and I'd just keep praying until some clarity came. But he answered me just as soon as I said that, asked him that. As soon as I said, Lord, it's my birthday. I sh you, shouldn't, you shouldn't make me wait until, you shouldn't make me wait like you often do until, you know, 7.25. This is my birthday. I, I need something extra from you. To, I need some notice. I need some advanced warning. And, uh, <laughs> and he was kind to me. And he, he spoke just, just like that. He said, turn and look at Samson. And I said, Samson? Samson wasn't even like a godly man half the time. He was like after girls and everything. And he was uh, Samson. <laughs> you know, we don't always look to Samson as the best example of our faith, although he was a man of God and for 20 years he served God. But anyway, I heard him say just as clear as a bell, I want you to look at Samson. And I, so I started reading, you know, is, there's a number of chapters about Samson. And then it's like he didn't want me to spend all that time reading. So he just said, no, go to, where he, go to where the water came out of the jawbone. I want to show you something. And so I entitled this message based on what the Lord uh, spoke to me, the fountain of the caller. And he said a phrase to me that really blessed me and encouraged me. If I could read it to you, I heard him say these words. He said, there will always be a fountain for the caller. Oh, it was so sweet the way he said it to me. He said, son, there'll always be a fountain for the caller. If you don't call, you don't get the fountain. But there'll always be a fountain for the caller. And so if you look where Judges, please, chapter 15. And anyway, there's a backstory. You know, he's angry that, you know, they figured out the riddle because his wife told them the riddle during their reception, their, their wedding reception, which lasted seven days. And so he's mad. And so he goes and kills 30 people, yeah. steals their stuff yeah. to give it to the guys who got the riddle. <laughs> okay. And then he's ticked off and then he leaves. I guess he just left his wife and decided to go for a holiday from her. He was fed up with her. So, so we don't know, sometime later at the harvest time, I don't know when, it could have been months that he wasn't there, shows up that dad's given her to somebody else. And he wants to go in and renew his fellowship. <laughs> And the father says, you can't do that. This is at the beginning of the chapter. You can't go in. I gave her to somebody else. And then the father basically says, but don't worry, she's ugly. As the father says, she's ugly. This is the Craigfield version of the Bible. But if you read it in the, in the Hebrew, that's what it means. She's ugly, but her younger sister is pretty. Take her instead. That's basically what the dad said. And he says, I don't want her. I want my wife. Anyway, so she's gone now. She's given to another. So now he's really mad. So then what he does is he goes and he gets 300 foxes, ties their tails together with fire, puts it in the, in the cornfields of the Philistines, destroys all their crops. They, they find that they're angry. Who did this? Samson, you know, this Timonite, you know, that's his son-in-law. So they go up there and they take that daddy who said no and the wife who's been given to another and they burn them alive. Like they set them on fire like, like in the Middle Ages. Can you imagine that? That's gruesome. So then... Uh, <laughs> So then he says, I, I, so then he gets mad at that. He says, tit for tat. <laughs> How dare you do that? 
after he just burned all their corn. But how dare you do that? So he goes down, doesn't sound many. It says that he, he destroys the Philistines hip and thigh with, a, it's a, that's a terminology, with a great slaughter. We don't know how many, but he just goes and takes, just takes his revenge. And then he goes up to the rock Edom, and that means the rock of the hawk. It's a high place. And he's up there just, just enjoying life. He's has bought his pina colada maker up there. Okay, he found the Starbucks portable coffee machine. It's up there. And he's enjoying himself on the rock Edom. And then those guys, 3,000 of his countrymen come. What are you doing? Don't you know they're bosses over us? You tick them off. They've come to kill you. And if they don't get you, they're going to get us. So we're going to give them to you. And you, there's 3,000 of us. You can't beat all of us. Because they know that there's an anointing on this man for war. So he says, okay, as long as you don't turn on me treacherously and kill me, I'll let you give me to them. You know why? Because the anointing wouldn't work for him to destroy his own people. Do you understand? The anointing wouldn't work. The gift that the, really, it was the gift of the work and the miracles that was working on him to do those things because it's an intervention into the ordinary course of nature for that kind of stuff to happen. But, but God, that power wouldn't work against his own people. So he said, listen, if you, if you stab me in the back, you know, there's not much I can do about that. So as long as you don't, don't, don't hurt me, I'll, I'll, I'll do what you say. So they get two fresh ropes and they tie him up. I'm giving you the, the, the uh, Coles notes. Do you know what Coles notes are? Do they still have Coles notes? I don't know if they do. But that's if you didn't read Shakespeare like me, you went to buy Coles notes. Because who wants to read Shakespeare? Not me. But Cole, thank you, Cole. Cole was obviously very smart, and he wrote a whole book on all those Shakespeare books in English that you could actually understand it. So the Coles Notes version is he says to them, well, he, they bind him with two ropes. They come, and let's pick it up there at that point so you can see what happened now. Glory to God. And this is Judges 15. Are you there? Yeah. Judges 15. And it says, uh, verse 13, And they spoke unto him, saying, No, we will bind you fast and deliver you to their hand, but surely we will not kill you. And they bound him with two new cords and brought him up from the rock. And when he came unto Lehi, which means the place of the jawbone, the Philistines shouted against him. Yeah. Shouted against him. <laughs> oh, because the Holy Ghost was dealing with me, Jenny. You'd already left the house. And I, there's a th some things I need to say. He said specifically say to your wife because it will encourage her. But of course, it's for everybody. But, uh, but uh, he, I saw this and I hadn't, I've preached this before, but it was revelation to me. It was like he was putting his fingers, his little pen light on it specifically for me. And it says when they shouted against him. You see that there? Where are we? I've lost my place here. Verse 14. And when they came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were on his arm became as flax, as one burnt with fire, and the bands were loosed off from his hands. That word shouted literally in the Hebrew means a shout with such decibel level that it can mar the eardrums. It is not a little, eh it is a, a roaring, fiery scream, yell, top of your lungs, like that's it. Do you understand? And sometimes we face situations in life, sometimes with hell, sometimes with money, sometimes with people, sometimes with whatever. And that enemy, that devil, that enemy that is against you, and you feel like he is just shouting the victory and ready to charge you. I don't know if any of you ever felt that way or do you all live in a cocoon little bubble? Because if you live in the real world, there's a, there are real problems and there's real things that we face every day. And sometimes you can feel like you're bound and like, and like you're helpless and you don't belong to anybody because the ones you're supposed to belong to have given you up and then the enemy wants to kill you. Ever felt like that? I sure have. And the enemy is shouting against you, not just like a marring sound of utter victory. They know they've got you. They know they've got you. They know that you're hopeless and helpless and it's all over. And when I just, I just love it, the Holy Ghost didn't come on him until those Philistines said, we got him. And they shouted the shout of victory. Sometimes God, listen to me. Sometimes it doesn't bother God. Let me rephrase. It doesn't bother the Lord when the devil shouts in victory over you. It doesn't bother him. It shouldn't bother you. Because when that shout of victory comes from the enemy's camp, that's when the Holy Ghost comes mightily. That's when he shows up. Sometimes he'll show up before, but sometimes he'll wait until it looks like there's no hope, but don't you give up. That's right. Don't you give up. That Holy Ghost will never give you up. 
I, and I saw that, honey, no matter what, because I tell you, he said this year will be a year of the Jordan. And he said, there's two aspects to the Jordan. One is that it will open like waters of revelation will open. And I'm going to show you about this Hebron year, seven years. I'm going to show you about the international works, not everything, but a, a good a good chunk of information. I'm going to show you about the glory center. I'm going to give you instruction. There's a lot of revelation coming this year, and it really has, and it continues. This year, there's been a tremendous amount of revelation, and Pastor Nancy, not knowing any of that, prophesied uh, with a group of ministers online. I was the only one I think she called out that night. Maybe there was one other, but she said, Pastor Craig, uh, there's a, down, a season of downloads for you, and God's going to download, 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 and it's going to feel overwhelming at times because there's going to be so much information that he gives you, but it's going to be a domino effect because when one, when one of your works start to fall, all of them are going to go... Now, she didn't know nothing because I don't talk to her unless she asks me, which she doesn't usually ask me. I don't tell her what's happening in our personal ministry. And so she wouldn't know that God told me that's going to be a season of the waters of revelation opening to you. And what is that saying? It's the same thing. It's just a different way of saying it. This download's coming. And so there's been a lot of revelation this year. But he said the second aspect of, of, of this Jordan year, remember 2021, we're, we're, we're in the, we were in the plain of Jordan to pick up that mantle in 2020. And now we're going back and we're crossing the Jordan again where he smote the waters and they parted. Where is the God of Elijah? And he said, that is your 2021 year, Jordan. 2022 year is Jericho, which is the start, the beginning of conquest. He said, a lot of things are going to start next year. And, 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 and you know, there's, I can just see his hand opening. There's things, oh, there's things opening. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how they're opening. I don't even know why they're opening, but they're opening. There's just things that are starting like to, like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, you know, they roll out the red carpet and you see that carpet just roll and it just unfolds as it goes. That's what it feels like to me because things are just falling into place. I don't know how to explain it to you. I'm not even necessarily trying that hard to do anything. It's just like when God's hand is on something, it just works like magic, Dad Hagen used to say. And it is, things are opening up. It's going to be the beginning. It's next year will be the year of beginnings on many different areas. Yeah. Praise God. But he said, not only is this year the Jordan year a revelation year, but it's an obstacle year because the Jordan represented a barrier. He couldn't get through the barrier. He had to open those waters up. He had to have the power of God to remove an obstacle, in this case, water. And the Lord said, and it is a marked season. It is a set time because of the mantle coming, because of you stepping into that higher office at the threshold of the door, at the open door. First Corinthians 69, there are many adversaries. This is a new season because at the end of last year, we stepped into something in the spirit different. And that's why there are many adversaries to try to cause a lot of, nothing to do with COVID, although COVID didn't help, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about just other things that are assigned to try to hinder the work, uh, a season of Joab where people that are close turn on you and, and uh, you know, leave and misunderstand, get offended. There's a lot happening. But he said this will be a season, a year marked of obstacles. And I didn't really appreciate that because nobody wants to hear a bad report, so to speak. And I said, but Lord, he didn't, he didn't coddle me. He just said, you're in Jordan. Suck it up. This is part of life. This is part of ministry. There's going to be obstacles, but you're going to make it through it because my power is going to part that water for you. It will not overwhelm you. That water will not overflow you. You will not be swept away in its current. You will not drown. And I'm telling you, it's been a, it's been a challenging year in a lot of areas, more, more than I can ever share publicly. There's stuff going on that nobody knows and nobody will ever know because I'm not a whiner preacher that wants to tell everybody the problem. But let me tell you, this has been by far, without question, the hardest year of my life this year. I've never had a year harder than this year. And I'm not talking anything about COVID. It's got nothing to do with COVID. COVID seems like a, a nice cool drink on a hot summer's day right now for me. Okay. COVID feels like air conditioning compared to the other attacks. So I'm not talking about COVID, please. I'm just, there are battle arraignments against this new assignment that's on our life. And we've stepped into a battlefield with higher caliber enemies. I talked to Pastor Nancy about it. And she said, well, you know, you're hooked up with me. So in some areas, in not every area, but in some areas, you're going to be attacked at the level I am because you're connected. And she said in some areas, I was attacked at the level doctor was because I was connected. Yeah. And sometimes you, you better be careful who you're connected to because sometimes things uh, trickle down that way because that enemy 
is attacking and then it kind of comes down there. Not everything. That doesn't apply in every situation. I'm not, being, nothing is, I'm not being attacked in every area like her. But there are certain things. There are connections. And the other things are just because of my call. And I'm not whining. I'm just telling you. That's why we appreciate you praying. Because people don't know what's going on. And I'm not talking about the cops. If the cops were arresting me like they did before, you know, putting me in prison or something, I would tell you. Or you just wouldn't see me on Sunday morning. It would be kind of simple. Where is he? I don't know. It's a secret. Where is he? He's in jail. Because, you know, they arrested us for doing our job as Christians, telling somebody to forgive. And they said that that was obstructing justice because we're not allowed to tell people to forgive when they've already filed actions legally to prosecute. You're not allowed to tell people to forgive. It's illegal, apparently. Well, I learned the hard way when they read me my Miranda rights. Jesus, help me. Anyway, (laughs) praise God. (laughs) But we paid a little bit of extra money, and Errol found a great ex-cop who's a nice guy, our our, our criminal defense attorney who represented us, uh, uh, knows that guy. He's an ex-cop. And so they do some shaking and some moving around the scenes. It's all legal. And they have now expunged my record. So all my fingerprints and all my, my mug shots and everything that was in all the Canadian databases, you know, they see me when I come through the airport, they can see my mug shot. Everything, if, if they want me to look me up, they can. That's all been expunged now. That's all been erased because at first time in 25 years of criminal law, first time ever that the, that the district attorney called and offered him a deal. He's always called to ask for a deal. This time, first time ever, the criminal attorney said, I'm calling on behalf uh, regarding Reverend Craig Field. I'm going to dismiss all charges despite what the lawyers are saying. Would you like that? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. But he needs to sew $2,000 into a charity that's not his own. No problem. So I sewed $2,000 into, what is it called? World Vision. Praise God. So some hungry kids got food and I got out of the jail. Praise God. (laughs) So if it was that kind of stuff, then no problem. We'll, we'll talk, but it's, it's not those kind of things. It's, it's other things. So it's been a difficult, in some ways, year. But the Lord also said, with the dry ground, you're going to go over in joy. He said that to me back in the summer. Amen. And then on Monday, this last Monday, two, two days ago, he spoke to me and he said, do you remember earlier in the year I told you, which I had actually forgotten. Uh, Taylor was supposed to remind me, but he didn't. Uh, but, but, but I had said publicly that October 3rd, our anniversary service would be a change in the spirit. Thanks, brother. Uh, I I remembered too later. (laughs) And the Lord said, you remember I said that? I said, yes, Lord, I remember. He said, you forgot that. I said, I did forget that. He said, and on Sunday yesterday, that was on Monday, he said there was a change in the spirit. And he said, now that season of joy is going to begin to increase. He said, I'm not saying that there's not any attacks for the rest of the year, but he said this, because I had said to him when he said this, you're marked on attacks. He said, but Lord, uh, is this going to continue on into the rest of Hebron? He said, I'm not saying there's not any attacks coming. Of course, there's always attacks. He said, but the intensity of this assignment is marked for this year and this year only. He said, so you're going to have to use your faith and stay in the spirit if you're going to get through this and not fall apart. And we've had to stay in faith and stay in the spirit to get through some of these things. And, but he said now that that is starting to lift, that's starting to lighten as of that October 3rd anniversary service. And he said, that season of joy, you're going to see an increase of joy now over the last three months of the year. So I said, well, Lord, I'm ready for it. Praise, Praise God. There's been a lot of revelation and there's been a lot of obstacles. I say that because at times it has felt, felt to me. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Like the enemy is there mocking me, yes. looking at me, and I feel helpless and I feel bound. And then they shout that that marring sound where you can hear the devils and themselves shouting for joy, thinking that I'm done for. But then the Holy Ghost shows up mightily. The Holy Ghost never lets them shout and not show up mightily. Praise God. So the Holy Ghost shows up mightily and what happens? All the stuff falls off. He breaks it like they're, like they're basically nothing, flax, straw. And he finds a new jawbone of a donkey and puts forth his hand and takes it and slew, slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson said, with the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, and with the jawbone of an ass have I slain a thousand men. It came to pass when he made the end of speaking that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand. I don't need this anymore. Right? Yeah. And he called the place Ramath Lehi, which means the height of the jawbone. Now, scholars believe the height of a jawbone, a donkey's height is about this high. That's about the height of the jawbone. And that there were heaps of bodies piled up at the jawbone height. 
That's what theologians believe. I don't know. Nobody was there to check. But he said heaps upon heaps. And they believed that there were multiple heaps up to the height, about five feet, of where a jawbone's donkey, a, 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 job, a, a, a donkey's mouth would be about that high. And that's how high he piled them. So he called it basically the place of heaps up to the height of a jawbone. Okay, so he's, he's, he's happy now. And then, uh, and then he says in verse 18, And he was sore athirst, and called on the Lord, and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant, and now shall I die for thirst, and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? But God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, he was revived. Wherefore he called the name En-Hakor, which is in Lehi unto this day. Lehi means place of the jawbone, but he calls this place En-Hakor. And you know what En-Hakor means? This is what the Lord said, turn to Samson. Turn to where the water came out of that jawbone. Study it. I want to speak to you. So I studied it. And that word En-Kahor means the fountain of the caller. That's what it means in the Hebrew. It comes from two Hebrew words, fountain and caller. The fountain of the caller, because it was a fountain of water, that came out of that jawbone because he called, because he spoke, because he said, God, you're going to do this great thing and then I'm going to die of thirst? I need your help. See, he called out for what he needed. He needed water. And he called and God answered that call and a fountain came. And the word of the Lord came to me. For those of you that are watching or here, just take this and be encouraged by it. I heard the Lord, the word of the Lord come to me and said, there is always a fountain for the caller. And I'm telling you, I can't tell you how much that infused strength into me and life into me when he said that. There is always a fountain. In other words, there's always a supply. There's always a refreshing. There's always an answer. There's always help. There's always rescue when one calls. The problem is some Christians don't call. That's the problem. They, they, they want to watch the problem. They want to think about the problem. They want to analyze the problem. They want to write the pros and cons list about the problem. They want to call the prayer line about the problem. They want to talk to their friends about the problem. But they don't want to call for the answer to the problem. And this is the fundamental problem with a lot of believers. They're not calling. And then if they do call, they don't call the way the Hebrew word implies. Because you can call and say, Lord, you know, and there's that kind of a little bit of a wimpy kind of a whine, kind of a disheartened, sad, you know, discouraged attitude to it. But the actual word here, which is a very important word, is the word kara, Q-A-R-A in the Hebrew. And this is what it means. This kind of calling, and it's mentioned many times in the Old Testament, is not just a call. It is an address by name specifically through the idea of accosting a person. Do you know what accosting means? You do? Because I don't. Do you know what accosting means? It means, I'm quoting now from the, from the dictionary, to approach and address somebody boldly or aggressively. Boldly or aggressively when you accost somebody but you're not necessarily grabbing them physically. You're with your words, you're accosting them. Specifically, you're calling them by name and you're saying, hey! Do you understand? You're being aggressive about it. When that guy was going at the other guy with the ax and the Spirit of the God came on me and I jumped out of my car and I ran toward him and I said, hey, put that down in Jesus' name. And he froze, stared at me like I had four heads and then slowly lowered his hand with the ax the other guy's just staring at him. He's, they're both staring at me. Get back in your car in Jesus' name and get out of here. And I started walking toward the man with the ax. That's not normal. But the Spirit of God came on me. That, that boldness came on me. But that is an accosting call. Hey! It wasn't if you're in the mood or if you'd like it. I have something to share with you, sir. It is a bold, aggressive, specific demand. And that is the kind of calling that he did. That's the kind of calling that he did. And we have to learn to, to have this kind of calling in our lives. Praise God. The Lord said there's a fountain. There's always a fountain for the caller. And so I've been meditating on that today. And he said, preach on that tonight, son. And so I just want to share some thoughts with you. Samson wasn't perfect. In fact, in a dispensation of judgment, you know, without that much mercy... The guy messed up a lot. 
He was constantly making mistakes, which is why he only served half term. Everyone else served 40 years. He served 20 because he died young because the sin put him in the grave and put his eyes out. And there's a price you're going to pay if you're going to mess around. But what I'm trying to say is even Samson, who messed up a lot in a dispensation of little mercy, judgment. Look what God did for the caller. After he threw that thing away. It's almost like God said, hold on a second. You, don't, you, you think you don't need that, but you do. And the supply came from an unexpected source. He did not expect, God could have put that water bubble up out of the ground. It could have come out of a rock like with Moses. It could have come anyway, but it came out of what he had used. In other words, he didn't expect the supply to come from that source. But the supply will come sometimes from places that you don't expect. So don't ignore, just don't, don't have your own little mindset of how God's going to fix this problem that you're facing. Because I'm telling you, I've learned God can use, even with us this year, God has used very unconventional methods, people that we don't know very well, people that sometimes aren't even saved. People that are saved, but we would never think God would use them to help us in a particular area. God uses, if you'll just, your job is not to figure out where the water is coming from. Your job is to call aggressively and boldly, not rudely, but aggressively. Father, I have a need and you've given me that supply according to the New Testament doctrine and I call for it. I demand it in Jesus' name. It's mine. I take it now by faith. And when you do that, God answers. It might, might answer from a place you didn't expect. Yeah. But he does answer because there is a fountain for the caller. There's always a fountain. There's always a bubbling forth for those that will call. The question is, do we call or do we complain? Because it's human nature to complain and analyze and discuss and have board meetings. And talk on your social media. And I'm not saying that there's not, you do whatever you want to do. All I'm saying is that doesn't produce anything. But calling produces a fountain. If you've got an unsaved husband or an unsaved wife, start to call. Father, I call, Romans 14, 17, those things that be not yet as though they already were. So I'm going to talk and thank you for something like I want to see it come to pass, not as it is today. I thank you that my husband, Fred, is born again. I call him saved. I call him full of the Holy Ghost. I call that he is going to be in church with his hands lifted, worshiping in tongues. I call my wayward children. I declare that they're going to be on the right path. I say that they're walking with God, but they're not walking with God. That's the whole point of calling. You're calling not what has not yet happened. You're not denying reality. You're not calling those things that are as though they're not. You're calling those things that which have not happened yet as though they already have happened yet. And God himself does this. Because Romans 4.17 says that God calleth those things that be not as though they were. There was no light, but he said light. And it was. Do you understand? He, call, he doesn't look at what the natural realm dictates. He looks at what he desires and what he desires he says and what he says manifests it in that natural realm. This is the basic message of faith. This is what sets our kind of church apart from a lot of other churches because we teach and we believe that you can have what you say. If you will say to this mountain, now you're, now you're commending, be thou removed and cast into the sea and don't doubt but believe that it will obey you. You'll have anything you say. That's what Mark eleven twenty three says. Praise God. Mark eleven twenty four. Whatsoever things you desire, whatever you want, when you pray, believe that you receive them. And the Greek says, when you pray. Believe that you receive them at the time you pray, not at the time you see the manifest. Believe that you receive them at the time you pray. That means you're thinking like you got it. You're talking like you got it. You're, 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 you're acting like you got it. You're calling things that are not yet happened as though they already were. And ye shall, future tense, have them. God's part is bringing the water. Your part is calling. But when you call, not with a whimper, but with a roar. Father, I'd rights in Jesus' name. You did it in a lesser covenant with, a, with a, a wretch who couldn't keep his hands off the woman. I'm a godly man in a righteous covenant and a better covenant. And I have rights. I've got the blood. He didn't. I've got the Holy Ghost inside me. He only had him on him. 
and I'm living right to the best of my ability. I'm not perfect, but I'm living the best of my ability right. I have rights and privileges in Christ. I call, I demand, I put a demand on you for this thing. And I'm telling you, if you'll do it in faith, there is a fountain. There is a fountain. I'm saying it over and over again because they were words of life to my heart today. Because sometimes, you know, we can, you know, Kim, we can call and call and call. And sometimes it feels like, is this, is are we going to see this thing happen? We're going to see this thing come to pass. And he just encouraged me. There is a fountain for every caller. There is a supply for every caller. The caller will not go unanswered. You might seem like it's an answer today, but you just give it some time. Not everything is instant like him, but it's the principle that works. There is a fountain. (laughs) There is a fountain for every caller. Praise God. Hallelujah. Job 22, 28, I'll just quote it to you. You shall decree a thing. And it shall be, not maybe, it shall be established according to your word. Not God's word, your word. Why? Because God's word is part of your word. And your word, you put his word in your mouth. So your word is his word. And you're a joint heir with Christ. And in his name, he looks at you like he sees Jesus. And in that name, you have the same authority Jesus has. You shall decree a thing. Not God, you. You call it. And it shall be established according to your word. My word can return. Thank you. My word, if you don't return it, it can be void. Don't work. But if you return my word, it's not possible for me to hear my word in my ears from your lips and it not produce the thing that I intended it to produce. Isaiah 55, 11. You need to meditate on these scriptures. If you return what he tells you, it is not possible for him to hear it without it working. Which leads me to believe that if you're not saying it in faith, maybe he can't hear you. Because if he, if he hears you, it has to happen. And 1 John 5, 14, can I quote it to you? This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've desired of him. If he can just hear me, I've got it. So if you're not getting it, he ain't hearing you. He can, and if you're not asking according to his will, he can't hear you. If you're not asking in faith, he can't hear you. If you're asking boldly in faith, in the name of Jesus, he has to hear you. And if he hears you, it's done. You just stand your ground till the water starts coming out out of that thing. Hallelujah. I'm telling you. Sometimes we just need some simple, basic faith preaching and teaching to remind us that our words have power and that God is quick to answer. It may not be quick in your timetable, but it's in his timetable. It's quick to answer. His hand is not, his arm is not short to save. He will answer. Amen. Amen. If it returns to him, if you call into his ears, if he hears you, it's not void. It has to work. If he can hear me, whatever the petitions are, I know I have it of him. But notice that notice all the, all the thing is that you have to return it. Whatever, so whatsoever things we ask, you have to ask. You have to call. You call. You ask. You return. You decree. Then he gets involved. Everybody's waiting on God. The sovereign false doctrine. God is sovereign, but there's a false doctrine about sovereignty. It's up to God when he's in the mood. He's busy. Maybe he'll get around to it. Little old me, I'm nothing, I'm nobody. That's not New Testament scripture. You're not nothing and you're not a worm and you're not a sinner. So don't call yourself a sinner. I'm a sinner saved by grace. You're no longer a sinner. I used to be a sinner, but now I'm saved by grace and I'm a saint. I'm not a worm. The Bible says I'm to mount up with wings as eagles. I'm not a chicken and I'm not a turkey. I'm supposed to mount up with wings. I'm supposed to be a bird of prey. I'm supposed to be an apex predator. I'm supposed to be in charge. I'm supposed to be, you're the head of your house. 
Ghost. Do you remember Norville? How long you got to stumble around in darkness? you going to put up with those gross in your daughter's body? But I'm not putting up with them. They're on my body. She's there. You're out of your house. Lightning. Thunder. Don't answer God wrong in his throne room because you're fixed to get fried, buddy. Whether you're French or not, you're going to get fried. You're the head of your house. And I've been dealing with something you know, we all, as you get older, I'm not old, but I'm not old. I'm not. I started preaching at 16. I don't know why. The, don't, don't, don't ever get the, 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 what's their names? Andersons. Don't ever get them to give me another uh, little birthday greeting. Tell me I started preaching at three. And, and scratch, scratch the Everleys off the list too, because they said the same nonsense. Tell me preaching when I'm three. You can't preach when you're three. <laughs> I, my mama got me serving in the local church young and I went through every ministry of helps except the counting room they didn't trust me to count the offer that's the only one that's the only one they had over 40 ministry of helps I went through every single department serving as a young teenager faithful I begged to get in that counting room I would look through the little window and wave at them and they'd say Craig go on because it'd be piles, mounds, 2,000 people. There's piles of money. Just let me in on that. I don't, I don't want to take the money. I just want to say that I went through every department. They, they robbed me, brother. They robbed me. Anyway, and so I, I, I don't know where I was going with that. What was I going with that? Yeah, I know that I was serving, but anyway, I can't remember. Preaching. I went to every ministry of helps and, and, and preached on the streets for years before I got to a pulpit. So if you counted from there, it's been longer than 30 years. But I, I don't, I could add that because a lot of ministers I know counted from the time they started a ministry of helps. But I don't, that's not a fivefold office. So I started from the time that I was preaching under an anointing from a pulpit in an official capacity. That's where I started the clock. Not everybody starts it there. So, yeah, yes, it's, it's, I'm young and 30 years is a lot, but, but, you know, there should be more testimonies of people my age with 30 years in the ministry. This shouldn't be so strange. Young people should start. That should be all they think about if they're called. And they should be positioned by their parents right. And they should be faithful to the local church. And they should be hungry for God. And they should get to preaching and get to start and get opportunities and get open doors young. That's God's best. It's fine if they start when they're 20s and 30s, but if they, if they just followed the path right, or if their parents followed the path right and got them involved, God would open doors earlier for them. So you can say what you want, but, but this mine should be the common story, not the exception. Praise God. I remember, Mom, I would go sometimes to Evangel Temple on Saturdays. I just loved the church so much. I don't understand. I guess that was the love of God in me. I didn't understand it. There was nothing going on. And I'd sometimes say, Mom, I'm just going to take the bus. I'm just going to go to church. Why? I don't know. I just want to be around it. And I'd go there and Abe Mullet would be there doing the floor. And I would say, hey, Brother Abe, because they gave me keys to every door, including the pastor's office. And believe me, I used every one of them. Sometimes, don't ever tell them. But sometimes I'd go into Pastor Bud's office. I'd close the door, lock the door, just sit in, sit in his chair and just say, I'm just going to get a sermon ready. I didn't know how to get a sermon ready. I just wanted to sit in his chair. You know, Jer Jesse DePlantis came once and I snuck into the bathroom where he had his change of clothes and I was looking at his shirts and I was looking at his suits and I was touching and feeling the fabric and I said, Lord, let that anointing come on me. And then I heard him coming down the hallway and I quickly ran out through the back door and he came in and changed because between services he changed into a fresh shirt. I was a rascal. I did a lot of things that I shouldn't have done. But anyway, praise God. When you're that faithful for that long, they give you keys to everything. I'm serious. And I would show up on Saturday, just open the door, let myself in. And there's Abe, you know, what are those things with the little things and they like that on the floor? The shiner thingies, whatever. Brother Abe, anything I can do to help you? Yeah, go, go, go sweep that there. Okay, and I'd go and sweep. There's some dishes in the, in the staff room that they didn't clean. Okay, I'll go wash them. I need you to go and vacuum that stage up there because I don't have time to do it. I'll go do it. I don't understand people that don't serve. 
I don't. I don't get it. Because I know where I came from, and if you love the ministry, you don't just love the pulpit. You love everything. You love the people. You love the evangelism. You're willing to go on the streets. You're willing to pick up lint. You just love the local church. So you understand, I don't have a lot of tolerance for people that come in that want a big title after they've done nothing. Because I know what it, I don't know what it's like to serve. Praise God. Let's get off my soapbox for a second and I'll move on with the sermon. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jenny. I'm just simply telling you that we have authority. There's a fountain. There is always a fountain for the caller. If you'll just release your faith and trust God, he's going to answer you. I know this is a simple message tonight, but I wanted it to encourage you. There is an answer for what we need. Doesn't matter whether it's finances, mental torment, whether it's a joblessness, a needing of a spouse, a spouse being saved, children that are wayward, something with your business that's not working right, something with your marriage that's not working right. There's hundreds of situations that we face, but we've got to start to look at these situations and instead of letting them run over us, we've got to look at them in the light of covenant and say, okay, Lord, I'm facing something here, but I know that I have rights and privileges. I know who I am in Christ. I know I have that name. Now, Father, I claim what your word promises me about this situation. I claim it. See, I claim it, right? And the way I say it, you don't have to say it the way I say it, but I like the way that Dad Hagen said it, so I say it the same way, and then I add my own twist to it. I don't want it to be a copycat. I want to add my own twist to it. And I say, Father, I, I, I tell you what, Dr. DeFry, I, I mix them all up and I'll come up with one phrase that I like personally. You can do your own phrase if you want. But I say, Father, I reach out the hand of faith and I lay hold of this answer. I lay hold and I pull it toward me. It's mine. I take it now. But I actually envision myself, if I'm sick, I say, Father, I see that on Jesus on the cross. And recently he was, you know, we all go through little problems. That's where I was going with that story. We all go through stuff. I, I was saying I'm not old. Well, I'm not old, but I'm noticing not everything works right in my body. Before it was like, you know, everything's always fine. And then there's never anything wrong. And then all of a sudden there's a little something wrong. And then there's another little something wrong. And none of it's major, but there's a little thing here, a little thing there. And I guess, you know, Greg is very old. And so he tells me that this is normal. He's at retirement age almost. And he's telling me... <laughs> He tells me that this is, this is normal. And everybody I talk to that's older says, yeah, you get aches and pains and whatever. So I was going through something a little while ago. Nothing major, nothing that I, I could have gone to the doctor. I could have got a prescription for it. But I just said, I, just, I want my faith to work on this. I don't want to always just run off all the time. Sometimes I do when the Lord prompts me to. Don't get, don't get weird about it. The Lord prompts you, go. We're not against doctors. But we, just, we do want you to grow your faith. So if it's not that urgent and you can... Give it a little bit more time for your faith to work. Start practicing your faith. Amen. I said, Lord, I, and I just, you know what? I just, I kind of got a bit half-hearted. Yeah, Lord, I, I, I claim my healing. Glory to God. You know, you know what I'm saying? Just, just, a little bit, just a little bit like a religious thing. I, 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 just, I, just, I just take it now, Lord. Amen. But, but I'm just saying it like a rosary. Yeah. I didn't really call for it. I didn't really mean it. And what, guess what happened? Nothing. There was no relief from the pain. Nothing happened because I didn't take, I didn't lay hold, I didn't call, I didn't accost it. And so I'm thinking, then you start going to plan B. And so you go on your internet. What to do for this? <laughs> You're right. And then I go, natural remedies for this. And so they said, drink this thing. I won't say what it is. But I drank it. I drank it every day. Guess what happened? Nothing! Because the internet's stupid. Don't know what they're talking about half the time. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but it didn't work for me. Try this. I tried it, guess what? Didn't work. What do you do when all the natural remedies don't work? Go to the doctor. So I'm thinking I'm gonna have to go to a clinic because it's painful, but I can live with it, but I'm getting a little bit fed up with it. You know what I'm saying? Because you think you're believing God, but you're not, because you're not accosting. You're just in the religious faith movement. There's a difference, my brother and sister. And I was driving somewhere, and I heard, I'm just thinking, I'm just, you know, thinking, oh, Lord, I love you, and the bluebirds love you too. And I got my worship music on. I'm just being a nice, sweet Christian. But I heard the Lord say to me, I'm telling you, Jenny, no word of a lie. I heard him say, hey, 
he spoke to me the same tone that Norval Hayes said that he spoke to him. Although I'm not in heaven, you know, seeing lightning flashes. But I heard this word loud in my spirit, loud. How long are you going to put up with that? That's all he has to say because I know that story so well. When he says, how long are you going to put up with those grocery daughter's body or that thing that I was, how long are you going to put up? You are putting up with it. You. Don't blame God, you. And he shook me. I was in the middle of a worship song. That's not the time to shake somebody. He shook me. Because I heard him, how long are you going to put up with that? And I said, I immediately, I closed, I mean, I'm driving, I can't close my eyes for long, but I said, I repent, Father. I, I knew where he's going with it. I said, I repent, Father, I've been religious about this. I've been religious about this. And I pushed pause on the music. And I pointed to that part of my body. And I said, I commend you in Jesus' name. Father, I claim my healing. I reach out the hand of faith, I lay hold of it, and I, it's mine, I take it now. I command, devil, you take your hands off me. Angels, if you have a role to play in this, if I need it, whatever I need, assist me if I need your help. Money, we always need their help. Healing, we don't always need their help. But I said, if I need your help in this healing area, then you do what you need to do. And I said, Father, four, number four, see, I celebrate and I praise you now that that healing is working in me. Five, see, I call those things that be not as though they are. And I started saying, it goes contrary to everything in your mind because you still feel the pain. But I started saying, I call my body healed. I call and I named it. I call that part of my body perfect. I call it pain free. I call it limber. I call it operating perfectly. I call it in Jesus name. The key is you can't just do it for five minutes and then not do it again for a month. You have to do it regularly as you think about it throughout the day. Not religiously, but from a heart of faith. And I started saying, I call for it. Now, Lord, the next one, the sixth one, now as I've called for it, I will not worry about this. I cast that care over onto you for you care for me. And now the seventh one, I consider not my own body because when you've got something wrong, every part of you wants to focus on it. Your eyes want to look at it. Your mind wants to think about it. Everything in you screams for attention on that thing. And the Bible says don't consider, don't give attention to those things. Put your attention on the healing Jesus. You got to do that in your emotions. And so I, I, you see, I've already claimed. I don't have to keep claiming. I've claimed. I've already bound the devil, command the devil, take his hands off it. I don't have to keep doing that. I've released the angels, charged them, and I've praised. I keep praising. But as I keep praising, I keep calling. Praise and calling go together. Father, I praise you that I have this. See, I'm calling and I'm praising you all at the same time. And if I get concerned, I say, I cast this care. And I will not look at it. I will not pamper it. I will not baby it. I will not tend to it. I'm not saying that some things you shouldn't tend to. You've got to be led by the Spirit. But I'm talking about, you know what I'm saying. I will not have self-pity. I will not tell everybody what I'm feeling. I'm not considering it. It, listen to me now, I understand my heart. I, I don't mean this the way it sounds, but this is what I'm saying. It doesn't exist anymore. Now, I'm not denying reality. I know it exists, but it, it will not encroach upon my emotions any longer. As far as I'm concerned, I've got my answer. I'm serious. And then the last number, eight C, some of you forget the eight C's. It's corresponding action. Faith without corresponding action is dead, James says. And so the Lord said, now, what you're doing because of that pain, you, you're, you're, you know, it changes certain ways that you move because of that. Now, he said, I want you just by faith to just do the best you can to just be normal. Don't let anybody know. Just push through. And every now and then I start, I have to catch myself and I have to say, Father, I cast that care over onto you. And every now and then I have to catch myself and say, I will not consider it. Amen. It's done. And then I just keep on number four and five. I keep on number four and five. Father, I praise you and I keep calling. I keep calling. I keep calling. And then that corresponding action. Sometimes you can't do a corresponding action, but sometimes you can. You can't always do it, but the Holy Ghost will lead you if you need to do an action. And then I just, I just, I just act like it. Praise God. I remember Copeland said that he came home. Gloria had put a new green table or a little thingy, a little coffee table that he didn't know was there. It was dark. He's trying to navigate through the living room and he didn't know the table was there and he hit his toe hard. 
And he said, he's sure he broke the toe. I mean, ag- agonizing pain. Glorious looks at it the next morning. Now, listen, you can judge him if you want, but I'm telling you how faith works. Yeah. It's up to you where you're at. I'm not telling you to do this. I'm telling you what he did. And this is the highest flow and it can work. But you've got to be led by your spirit where your measure of faith's at. He said, I'm not looking at it. Now, some people mock him and, and argue with him and say, well, that's denying reality. And there'd be a measure of truth to that. But when you are at that level, you'll know it. But if you're not at that level, you go ahead and look at it and tend to it medically if you need to. But he's at another level because he's been doing this for a lot longer than you. And don't have to feel guilty. I'm just saying that there are higher levels. The goal is to reach those levels. And he said, Gloria, I'm not looking at it because if I look at it, it hurt my faith. And she looked at it and she said, I think you need to go to the hospital. It's definitely broken. That don't help his faith. I'm not looking at it. And so he said he could barely walk. I mean, he was just barely walking like this. And he said he had to go around to different places. And he said, and he kept saying, I'm just trying to teach you how faith works. I call my, he said, I call my toe healed. Father, I call it. I have rights. Jesus, you took it on that cross. I reach out and I take my healing. Devil, you take your filthy hands off me. I call it healed. I call it healed. The power of God is working in my toe right now, whether I feel it or not. That's what he did. And he's hobbling and he said, I will not look at it. I will not consider my body. I cast that care. God is with me and this is healed. That's bulldog aggressive, accosting kind of faith. Most Christians don't know what we're talking about. This church does because we preach it. I go to some churches and I preach like this and they look at me like I've got horns. Because the pastors don't teach strength. You you, you don't teach strength and you'll find yourself in an emergency room every time. I'm not saying don't go to the emergency room. I'm saying know where your faith's at. And so he just kept doing it, kept doing it. A couple days passed. That's a long time to be in agony. And then he's going to look at a new plane. He's, on the, he's on, the, on the tarmac on his car, and he opens the door. It was his left foot. And the Lord said to him, now, nothing God has said to him before. Now, this is corresponding action, but you've got to be led by the Spirit on that. You can't just decide to do it, or you'll get in trouble. But the word of the Lord came to him and said, if you're healed, slam your foot down on the floor. Now, you know when you're in absolute agony that that would be a, a crazy thing to do. But see, that's not his mind, and that's not the devil. That was a word of the Lord. That's, that's the difference. He's telling him to do an action to show his faith. And he went, yes, and he slammed his foot down. He got out, and he slammed his foot down, and he said there wasn't even pain. Instantaneously, God healed that toe, or a broken toe became a perfect toe. The swelling went instantly down. All the coloring went instantly back, and he was perfectly and instantaneously healed. And he got up and he danced a little bit and he went and looked at that plane. Now, there's nothing wrong with going and getting, I don't know if they have casts for toes or whatever they do. There's nothing wrong with doing any of that. But I'm just telling you that there is a higher way. Don't ever let anybody tell you that there's not because there is a higher way, but you've got to know where you're at. You've got to know where you're at. David was going on the, I'll, I'll close now in a second. I didn't get to all my notes, but anyway, David is going on the pickup truck and in the Mexico, you know, they know rules. They don't have the seat belts, whatever. They just pile as many people in as that truck can hold. On the back of that F-350 Ford that he's got, that one-ton pickup, they can get about 20 people in that back cab. Everyone's sitting on each other, hanging off, people sitting on the roof. And they're going through the rough paths, man. And anyway, he miscalculated a turn, and he had to turn sharper than he planned. And when you turn like that, the centrifugal force, if people are at the back and they're not strapped in, somebody's going to go for a little bit of a fly, a fly zone. But that was a lady holding her brand new baby and she wasn't holding on. And instead of letting the baby go and grabbing the roll bar, she just held on to the baby and protected the baby and, and put her hand down like this, you know, traveling at 60 kilometers an hour on a turn and hit that ground with her hand. And they're knocking on the roof. Senor David, Senor David. So he stops and he comes out and he says, and they back up. And she's lying there holding the baby. And he says, he, he, I heard him say this personally. And he said, I, and I looked at her hand. And he said, all the flashlights, because in the jungle, it's pitch black. And they got all the little flat flashlights on this thing. And the lady, and, and he, says, he says to her in Spanish, give me your hand, sweetheart. Somebody takes the baby. <laughs> My God. And she takes the, she, she shows him the hand. And because of the pressure of the break, the, the bone in the wrist had snapped in half and had stuck through the skin about two and a half inches out of the skin. And he said, you can see 
<laughs> this is David. David is so interested. I'm like, he don't care. He's just like, wow, I didn't know bones were like transparent, like ha- kind of see-through. Because the light, you could kind of see through the bone. But the blood's there, but you can. So he's just kind of looking at it, and she's just in agony. Now, you see, you can't go to a hospital. Now, for that, for that, you need, you need the gifts of the Spirit. He didn't know the gifts were going to operate, but he just said, I'm going to use the faith I got. So he said, everybody, pray with me. So they all start praying in tongues. And he just very gently, just, he just put his hand over that protruding bone. He didn't press. He didn't try to stick it back in. He just gently put it over that bone. And he said, Father, you know, David, he's so wired, man. <laughs> and he just said, Father, in Jesus' name, be healed. And he takes his hand away. <laughs> and the bone is back inside the body. The skin is sealed. And he just, he said, all I did is I took my shirt and I wiped away the blood. And we looked at her hand and it was like nothing happened. Now that was the gifts of the Spirit, but he didn't know they were going to operate. He was just using his faith. He was calling for healing. He was bold in his calling for healing in an impossible situation. And I'm trying to say something to you. If you'll just use the faith you've got and be bold in your expectation, in your own faith, what you can believe God, if it's not enough, the gifts and the powers of God will meet you where you, where you end your faith. And if miracles have to happen, they'll happen. But it starts with calling. He looked up to heaven and he said, Father, we have a healing covenant. I call for my grandma today. I say be healed. Done. So you don't have to always have enough faith. Just use the faith you've got. And if more is needed, God's supernatural faith will lay hold. It's called the gift of faith. And then the working of miracles or the gifts of healings will lay hold. That was the gifts of healings. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm just trying to tell you that your faith can work. Last scripture, 859, but we got time for one more scripture. I know you're all desperate for this, and then I'll close. Nehemiah quickly, that's in the Old Testament, Taylor. Nehemiah, (laughs) Nehemiah, quick, quick, now it's nine o'clock, we gotta go home. Where is Nehemiah? After Ezra. (laughs) Jennifer, be quiet. It's in the Old Testament. Thank you, brother. I, I wasn't sure. But knowing you that you're all such a supply to me. Uh, I, I, just, I just want you to know something here now in chapter 6, verse 1. Now it came to pass that Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that we had built the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates yet. Then Sanballat and Geshem said unto me, sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in, in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers and I said unto them, I am doing a great work. This is the second word that came to me, honey, to encourage you. The enemies might be shouting, but the Spirit of God comes mightily. And the second thing I heard him say, tell your wife specifically, that all these distractions from the valley of Ono, the mischief that the enemy is trying to cause, our answer is what he said, I am doing a great work. That was by the Spirit that came to me. He's calling what he, not me, he is calling. He said by the Spirit to me, son, you're doing a great work. That encouraged me alone, just that he validated that. He said, you're doing a great work. And all they're doing, all, all this stuff, honey, it's the mischief of Sanballat. They're trying to let us, they're trying to have us descend into their soul arena on the valley of Ono. And our answer is, I'm doing a great work. Amen. I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I come down to you? Praise God. We're doing a great work. You and your life, you're doing a great work. Don't let the stupid sand ballots of the world, their mischief and their accusations and their lies and their deceptions try to get you off what God has asked you to do. You're doing a great, don't, don't demean yourself by going and discussing life's problems with the devil. You're doing a great work. You stand with your great work. Hallelujah. That came as the word of the Lord to me, Jennifer. He said, son, you're doing a great work, but the mischief in the valley is trying to get your attention. Tell them I'm not even looking at you. That's what we're going to do, sweetie. Now, chapter 4 and verse 16. We're, 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 when the sand ballots show up, you've got to answer them. Say no. But look at this verse 14. It's amazing. 
Verse 14, Nehemiah 4, 14, And I looked and rose up and said to the nobles and the rulers and the rest of the people, Be not afraid of these ones that are threatening our lives. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and awesome and mighty God. And watch now, what did he tell them to do? Remember the Lord who was awesome and fight. You know what He says, you fight. And fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Fight. Christians have to be told, fight. Don't lie down. Don't wait for your pastor. Don't wait for the prayer team. You fight. God is strong. He hasn't left us. Fight. If you've got cancer, fight. If you're jobless, fight. If you've got wayward children, fight. Now watch verse 20. He tells them to fight. Now watch verse 20. I love it. Remember, he says now, verse 19, And I said to the nobles and the rulers and to the rest of the people, The work is great, there it is again, and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one far from the other. In what place, therefore, you hear the sound of the trumpet? Resort ye thither unto us. Remember I preached that a while ago? When we sound the call, come to church. Now watch what he says. Resort thither to us, come to us. Why? Our God shall fight for us. And the Lord showed me these two scriptures and he said, most Christians only talk about the doctrine of verse 20. God will fight. God will fight. The battle is the Lord's. God will do it. God will do everything. And they put it all on his side. And that's why they don't have victory. It sounds real spiritual and religious, but it's not scriptural. They'll take one scripture out of context. We'll stand your ground and see the salvation of the Lord. But yes, if you read the full story of that, they send praisers. So they were still doing their part. If you look at the Moses thing, stand still and say, he still stretched out his rod and commanded the seed apart. He did his part. You can't take one scripture out of context like it's all on God's side and we are just little withering away, little losers. We don't know what's going on. No, there's a doctrine of verse 20, God will fight. And there's a doctrine of verse 14, you fight. And notice what came first. You fighting comes before God fighting. If you fight, if you call, if you accost, if you say, Father, I claim it, I lay hold of it, it's mine in Jesus' name. Devil, you take your hands off. Angels, you get to moving, boys. I have rights. I am not going under. The waters will not overflow me. The fire will not kindle upon me. This situation will not be my end. I have rights and I call. I fight the good fight of faith. Paul said, fight the fight of faith. If you fight that way, verse 20 will work for you. When God hears your words, what does he do? His power fights for you. His power moves in your direction to manifest what you have called, to cause to come to pass what you need. When he called to God, water came out. God answered. God fought for Samson. God did the miracle of the water out of the jawbone. But he had to call first. It's not just called the fountain. It's called the fountain of the caller. Hallelujah. I don't think I'll ever forget that as long as I live. The way he said it to me was so kind. Sometimes God's real aggressive, like in the car. How long are you going to put up with that? I said, oh God, I've, I pulled out the rosary too many times. My religious little confession, and I didn't release my faith when I said it. But now I release my faith, buddy. And you know what? That thing immediately started to improve. Because power went into operation. He was waiting for my call. So that he was waiting for me to fight so that he could fight for me, so that his power could move in my body, move in my finances. He's waiting for us to open our mouth and fight. Praise God. Jennifer, they may be trying to get distractions on us, but we're doing a great work and we're not even gonna give them, we're not even gonna, we're not, they're not even worth our looking at them. Praise God. They might shout against us, but the spirit of God has the last word not the Philistine army. The Spirit of God has the last. I I heard the Lord say, tell your wife those two things tonight. It's for everybody, but very rarely, how many times do you hear me preach that? Very rarely does he say that to me. He said, tell your wife those two things to strengthen her during this battle that I know you're facing, honey. When the enemy shouts, the Spirit of God has the last word. 
And when they try to pull our distraction, try to pull our attention into, into mischief, we know that we're doing something great for God and we, won't even, we, do, we just ignore them. Shut up. You're not even worth my breath. Be quiet. I'm doing something for God. What I say, God answers. God honors my word because he fights for me. But he fights for me, Michaela, because I fight. God doesn't fight for people that are lazy. He wants you to fight the good fight of faith. Praise God. When Evander Holyfield or whatever your favorite fighter is fights, you call it a good fight if they won. If they lost, it's not so much of a good fight. You don't say, wow, what a great fight when your hero got pummeled. But when they beat the other guy to a pulp, wow, that was a good fight, at least for these red-blooded American men and my sons who like MMA. Yeah, that was a great fight. I know that they, their guy won. And then the other one who was saying, because the, they're never on the same team, my two sons. They're always opposites. And so one of them says, yeah, it was okay, Dad. I know that that guy lost. Oh, it was a great fight, Dad. I know that that guy won. If it's a good fight, you win. He said, fight the good fight of faith, which means if you will fight, God will fight for you. So my brothers and sisters, start to stop, st stir yourselves up and stop being so sad and stop being so concerned and stop being so worried. And just say, Father, whatever I need, whatever this thing is coming at me, I fight, you'll fight for me. I call, I call, I call those things that be not. I call, there is a fountain for every caller. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I bless you for the fountain of God, the supply of God, the bubbling forth of the Holy Ghost. Whatever we need, Samson needed water, but whatever it is for us, you may do it from the most unusual places, but you'll always do it because there is a fountain for every caller. Oh my God, I thank you. I thank you there's a supply for me tonight. There's a supply for them tonight. No matter what it looks, no matter how bad it may seem, it is not hopeless. It is not impossible for God is with us. Like Nehemiah said, he is mighty and the terrible, dreadful champion. He is the fear to our enemies. He is their dread and he is our God and he will fight for us, but we must fight too. So, Father, we fight with our words, not with our fists. We fight with our faith, not with our minds. We don't try to figure it all out. We use our faith. We call. We claim these things. We command the devil to take his hands off. We, we charge the angels to go. We celebrate and praise. We call those things that be not as though they are. We, were. we cast our cares. We do not consider the impossibility of the circumstance. And we do corresponding action when you instruct. And therefore, we are convinced that it will come to pass. Because your word says in Romans 4 that we are, that we are, we are convinced that the word of God is true and the promises will come to pass. Oh, Father, we are utterly convinced tonight. No matter what I face, no matter what they face, we are convinced it will turn. It must turn because you are with us. The great and terrible God is with us. We, we ignore the sand ballots of our life. We ignore the valley of Ono and the mischief and the accusations and the distractions. We ignore it. We're doing a great work for you. Not just ministerially, but every individual within the sound of my voice, to the best of their ability and their own personal lives, they're doing a great work for you. And as they're part of this local church, as a group, we're doing a great work for you. And you wouldn't have said it to me the way you did if we weren't doing a great work. You were encouraging me to just keep our attention on you, Jesus. So I give you praise, Father. I remind your people one last time, there is a fountain for every caller. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen and amen.